welcome to another episode of Mental Conversations. Um, a positive, positive, yeah. Let's let's just start with that. <laughs> it's a podcast focusing on positive mental health and overcoming the struggles of life. My name's Chris Sutton, and I'm still excited um, because today I'm joined in studio by Helen Dunat. Um, Helen is a graduate in social policy and has a master's in social research. I have no idea what that means. It sounds really <laughs> impressive. Um, we recorded an episode, I mean, God, how long ago? Yeah. Like 30, 40 seconds? Yeah. Um, so thank you for coming back in. I appreciate the trip, the journey. Um, <laughs> we're talking about Susan Jeffers' book, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. Um, and for those of you who haven't listened to the first episode probably recommend you go back and listen to yeah. that one first um, if I'm honest um, because we're going to pick up where we left off um, so we were talking about Susan's five truths about fear um, firstly hello Helen hello thank you for coming back that's okay um, do you want to jump straight in with what fear truth three is yeah so fear truth three is the only way to feel better about yourself is to go out and do it so this one I probably found the hardest to think about and relate to, but I think what it means to me is in our lives we have these things that we mean to do, but we're perhaps quite fearful of them, so we don't want to, so we're kind of avoiding them. Mm -hmm. And what we convince ourselves is, well, I'm just waiting till I feel better about it. I'm waiting till I'm ready I, to do it. I feel uncomfortable already. <laughs> <laughs> and we, but we do. We kind of use that as a justification, or something more literally might be. Um, oh, well, you know, I'd sign up to do this um, 5K, but I'll do it when I've, I've been going to the gym more and I'll yeah. do it when I feel fitter without any real plan on when you're going to do these things that are going to somehow make you feel better. So what the concept here is, that's the complete wrong way around of thinking about it. And what we should think is, if I go out and just do it, as a result of that, I'm going to feel better about myself. It's not just going to come. Yeah. You're not just going to feel better so then you can go out and do it go out and do it and once you've done that thing that you've been putting off or you face that fear you are going to feel more powerful and you're going to feel better about yourself do you have any examples of how where this has happened with you well like i said i do find this one quite difficult to relate to but i think that's because it's subconscious i mean i've, I've got i've got an example for, my, for okay, myself like on. if you like I mean, so i used to um like a few years ago, I did uh, like a 10k run Ooh. or whatever, and like, and I used to go and run for about an hour. Yeah. Like every Saturday morning, I'd go for an hour long run, and then someone said to me, "Oh, you must be doing about 10k," and I was like, "Oh, I don't know. I've never even mapped it. Yeah. I do have a route." Then they introduced me to like a route map thing, and then I measured it, and it was about 10k. So I was like, yeah, "Okay, I'll enter this 10k run, like whatever," and and I did it, and I was really proud of myself and everything else. But it's a few years ago now, so by that rationale, I'm a few years older, um, and I don't do any running anymore. Yeah. And I've almost developed a kind of, almost a, not a phobia, but it is a fear of going out and running because I'm, I know I'm not going to be at that level anymore. Yeah. And I'm going to get frustrated and I'm going to, but like, you know, practice what you preach. You know, when we're talking about these things, I need to just go out for a run. Mm. And I know exactly. that, but I've not done it. But what, but what I could perhaps do is, you know, the first step is always the hardest one, what's what people say. It's like, you know, literally just run to the end of the road and back. 
or mm. just run around the block or you know I don't have to try and go yeah. and run for an hour go and run for 10 minutes or and then try and build it up and try and you know yeah and I guess for me what would be one for me would be because I'm quite like early on in my career there's things that I might be asked to do in my job or that I maybe should do but I think well, I'm not experienced enough or confident enough to do that yet, so I'll do that when I'm more confident. Well, I'm yeah. not going to get more confident unless I do those things, to an extent. Um, but yeah, it's about doing those things first, and as a result, feeling better. Tell me not about, about waiting. Tell me about public speaking. Well, <laughs> so, yeah, well, I'm not very confident at public speaking. So Hang I'm on, at, that should be past tense, shouldn't it? I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't very confident <laughs> with public, public speaking, but I'm not, I'd not done it. Yeah. So with that one, if I'd have applied, well, I'll wait till I'm more confident and then I'll do some public speaking, yeah. how is that possibly going to work? Because where is this confidence going to come from without yeah. trying it? Yeah. You've got to push yourself to do it, even if it's a bit wobbly at first. Yeah. Because then I go, well, yeah, I'm all right. I yeah. can do it. Because, yeah, you're not going to know unless you put yourself forward to try it. Now, just like, you know, I've said this to you um, previously, like off air and stuff, but when we talk about these theories, we talk about books, words on paper that someone's saying, do this, hey, do this, and you'll feel great, do this, and blah, blah, blah. And then you have to actually do it in reality. Mm. It is an entirely different thing. So I just want to say to people that are listening out there that you, there may be lots of people out there that are listening and thinking, I can't do that. Mm. I, that's, that is for other people. That is for other people who can get that motivation. That's for other people who are stronger than me. You know, I'm basically what I'm doing here is I'm trying to put myself in the position of when I was really struggling and feeling really low. Um, and I still have struggles, so, you know, it's not a massive um, stretch to put myself in that position. But it does make you think, oh, yeah, okay, I love the idea. So, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not saying that with any kind of magic cure mm. at the end of it to say but if you just do this yeah, yeah. I think the tricky thing about it is but I would just want to recognise this for people that are listening and for ourselves is that it's bloody hard no one is saying that it's easy yeah. so this feel the fear and do it anyway you know nobody is saying that that is an easy thing all you've got to do is feel the fear yeah. and do it anyway <laughs> feeling the fear and doing it anyway is a bloody hard thing to do so you know just be aware of that and then if you do try and tweak something or change something celebrate it be proud of yourself you know realize mm -hmm. that you've actually made an effort to do something yeah um, exactly and i think what's important to remember is this book is supposed to appeal to as many people as possible yeah. so everyone's going to interpret it in their own way sure. and yeah like you said you're not you're probably not going to read it and think oh yeah fine i'll go <laughs> out and do that thing it's not going to be as simple as that but if it can at least make you think in a different way or start to just reflect on the things you have done or just feel a little bit more positive then that's great there's no like expectations that you, yeah. that you have to do a certain thing is it when you when you read things like this that's right. it's just about like thinking about your own um, behaviors and your own fears and how you might manage them better it's not but i really like i really like that and again i don't want to sound like a scratch record to to regular listeners but you know you've talked about thinking about it on your own and it's it mm. it is a personal thing yeah. this and this is like you know I know that in my kind of journey towards recovery, and you know, I'm still on that journey, um, and I think I always will be. There would, there have definitely been people and books and things along the way that have influenced it. But essentially, you have to do it yourself. Mm. You know, there's no one else that can that can do it for you. Um, so, 
you know, for me, it was a psychotherapist. For me, it was a book like this. Um, just one of the things um, there's around fear, I've talked about before, another book called um, Who Moved My Cheese, which we mm -hmm. might do an episode on one day. And one of the things is, what would you do if you took the fear out of this? You know, what yeah. would you do if you weren't afraid? And I've got, a, I've got this little picture of a piece of cheese with those words written <laughs> on it in my kitchen. And I look at that quite often. Um, because if I'm really struggling with a decision, that's actually a fear, that's actually a way, a yeah. mechanism I use to make the decision. I'm really, oh, I don't know what to do. Should I, should I go out tonight? Should yeah. I do this? Should I do that? And I'll quite often think, well... I'm leaning towards not doing it because I'm afraid. Mm. If I take the fear out, would I do I want to go or do I not want to yeah. go? Oh actually I do want to go. I'm just a bit scared. Yeah. All right, I'm going to go. And it and it you know it can help you. So you can see it a bit more clearly for a second without that sort of like yeah. the fear you, hovering over it. <laughs> yeah, it's like take the yeah. fear the fear filter. Take yeah, the fear yeah, filter off. You actually would do. Because there's only you thinking about it. You don't. You still don't have to do it if you don't want to, but you try and look at it in a different mm. way, you know, by taking that fear out. And for me, it's been a very powerful thing that in making some decisions around, you know, big things and small things. But just like you know, what 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 do I want actually? What what's the best thing? What's the most appropriate thing in this situation? So, um, have we nailed fear truth three? I do think, you think we might have. Yeah. 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 What's, what's fear truth four? Fear truth four is. Not only, not only you are afraid when facing the unknown, so is everyone else. So I like to interpret this in a couple of ways, um, this one. So I think it's always nice to feel like you're not on your own, isn't it? Mm. So when you talk about fear being an essential emotion and every single person feels fear, that's nice. Like You don't want to feel like you're on your own. Yeah. Um, and I think you, you've, we've all got those people in our lives who we think, they don't have to think about things like this. Yeah. They don't have to worry about I this. I, I'm reading books about fear and I'm thinking about how I can handle my fears. And there's those people just going off and just doing things. But the argument is they literally do feel fear. They're human. Yeah. They do. But what they've got nailed down is doing it anyway. So all it is is that their, their period of time that they spend feeling the fear before they decide to go on and do it might be a second, mm. might be like a nanosecond. Yeah. And it's, so it's not that nobody feels a fear. It's not that those people in our lives literally don't feel fear. Yeah. It's that they know how to briefly feel the fear and then think, well, I want to do it anyway. Well, when, I've, when I've heard you talking about this before and you're like, when you've presented around this, um, you know, I think you used the example which is in the book about um, you know, Susan Jeffers, the author, saying, to people that are very successful mm -hmm. asking them and they were kind of like you know she was like do you not feel fear then and they kind of it was like a, the suggestion was like well yeah but I just kind of think well pff, all yeah, right, yeah. I'm, I'm scared of it but I'm just I'm gonna do it yeah and their <laughs> whole thing is just so maybe they're in a you know I don't know if that makes them stronger people or what kind of adjective you'd use to describe mm. them but it you know but, but they but for whatever reason they're more, you know, I don't know if they're more carefree or if they're just more determined yeah. or whatever, <coughs> but they still do have the fear and that's yeah. the point here. So I do think people can change their outlook. I've, yeah. you, know, I've, you know, I think I'm living proof of it in my own mind of changing from being, you know, if I look at the person that I've been previously at different stages of my life, I'm definitely... Uh, a different version yeah. you know and I could argue within myself a better version of myself now 
than I've been previously when I was a, like 17 or whatever like yeah. because of me- like multiple reasons but the fact of the matter is some of that kind of ability to grab hold of stuff and just go with it and try and overcome it has come from experiences of actually doing yeah, it in definitely. the past um, but realising that other people feel like that too yeah. is helpful we literally all fear it uh, feel it sorry <laughs> well yeah fear it but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um as well, what's what's interesting is you can link this to the comfort zone um, model that we'll talk about now because what it's saying as well in this fear truth is those people, celebrities, singers who are doing these concerts in front of thousands yeah. of people, we don't think they fear. Like, honestly, they, how can they fear feel fear when they go out and do that? Yeah. But the example used in the book is Louise Redknapp who was in a band, uh, in a group and also a solo singer and sang in front of crowds of thousands and thousands of people yeah. and then went on Strictly Come Dancing in 2016 and was terrified mm. and said she got those same like butterflies in her stomach that she'd get way back in her singing career yeah. um, but the thought of going out on the dance floor on Strictly was terrifying and that's yeah. because she's expanding her comfort zone in a different way yeah. so it's not about how many people she's going to be in front of yeah. it's not like oh well I've sang in front of thousands of people so I'm comfortable being in front of thousands of people. Yeah, that's it. It's what's, what she's comfortable with. She was comfortable with singing. She didn't fear that anymore. Yeah. Dancing, she's she's expanding her comfort zone like in a different yeah, way. Absolutely. She, like, she's not used to that, so she's going to inevitably feel that fear all over again. And that, that comfort zone diagram, she's got, it's like a, bo- a box, isn't it? It's yeah. Like a square. And it's very similar. I think there's a lot of similarities to the to the kind of tools that she's using. Essentially... I don't know if I'm stating the obvious here, but they're all moving towards the same thing, which is that you can't expand your comfort zone if you don't do stuff. So you have to actually act. You have to do some action to make a difference. But it's that, like we said in the previous podcast, um, um, we have the analogy of going into a shop and being afraid of going into a shop. And then, you know, day one you might go and touch the handle of the shop but then day two you might actually walk in Mm -hmm. and day three you go and buy the thing or whatever week one week two week three I think we said but there is that your comfort zone is not going to the shop but by the end of that when you've bought the Rolos you might have to listen to episode one to get this (laughs) um your comfort zone's expanded yeah. because now what that means is you don't even think about it so the box is bigger yeah you know and the whole and, and actually these are all different they're all different tricks and not tricks tools and tips of how to frame it um where that that different people will understand and appreciate each one differently so it's whichever one works best for you and for me actually looking at the comfort zone one when you explained it in your presentation actually rather than when i read the book if i'm honest i was like oh that works for me that actually works for me yeah it does for me and i think with me it's like literally looking at this little diagram makes me feel better because it's a little square in the middle that says original zone of comfort yeah explain it because I don't think I explained okay. it very well <laughs> so there's a little square original zone of comfort and even the, the font is like really squashed in it so it's quite a small little square but then around it there's bigger squares and bigger squares and it says like risk one risk two in each square and there's arrows pointing outwards and the idea is every time you take a new risk so going back to the Louise Redknapp example, when she, you might think her comfort zone's already huge, mm-hmm. but once she started dancing, something new, um, something outside of her comfort zone, and once she takes that risk of dancing, 
her comfort zone's expanded to another level. Yeah. So it's even bigger. And the reason I really like it is just like physically thinking about being like bigger and bigger and more yeah, powerful every that's time. True. Every time you add these new risks into yourself, you're just becoming more powerful. And maybe that's just because I'm small and I feel like I need everything I can <laughs> every to, time you to get bigger and bigger. Every time you add sequins, you get bigger and bigger. But, but no, that, that's, that's really good. Yeah, it's uh, maybe it is a, uh, like because you are small um, that, 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 that that resonates with you. But but actually, it, I just think it is that kind of, okay, sometimes you don't, it's that, uh, sometimes you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And there's stuff out there that you don't know you can achieve. And there's stuff out there that might seem completely pie in the sky. And I'll, you know, I'll use the example again around um, the idea to me, we talked about public speaking before, and for me, the idea of public speaking throughout my lifetime up to, the, up to about three or four years ago was terrifying. And now it's something I do pretty regularly. Yeah. Um, and yes, I'm still fearful of it. Yes, I'm still nervous and anxious around it. But that experience of having done it makes me think, I know I can do it. I know I've done it before. I know I've done it before and been relatively successful in terms of getting my message across. I've had people come up to me and say, oh, that was really helpful mm -hmm. for me, which then spurs you on. So then it's like, well, I'll speak to a bigger audience. And she's like Susan Jeffers talks in the book, doesn't she, about doing, um, going to her uh, the first time she taught a class. Yeah. And she was, she was like, oh my god, I'm not going to know. Uh, didn't she do something like six hours worth of material? Eight hours worth of work for an hour lecture. For an hour long lecture, <laughs> she was like, oh my god, I've got to be, got to yeah. be really prepared. And then, and she was thinking, what if they don't like me? What if? Yeah. And then, of course, she went in. She met the class. The second week, she was nervous, but she was like, at least I know where I'm going. Yeah. I know where the toilets are. I know where I know some. Of, I remember some of their names. You know, by week five, she knows all their names. They're going in. They've all got different handshakes. <laughs> all right, I'm relating it to my own world. But like they're fist pumping. They're whatever. Like they. <laughs> welcome to my world. Um, but the you know you. It's chalk and cheese, but you but you've got to that point by doing it. Yeah. And that kind of, by that last lecture, where they they all were graduating or whatever. I'm making it up because this isn't in the book. But I can imagine that they were all kind of like hugging yeah. and in tears and oh congratulations and you know stay in touch. I really want to stay in touch. And then the next year when she taught the next class, she would have walked in there head high, confident, yeah. high class. I'm Susan. <laughs> You know, whatever, because you've, you've, and that is just a speck in the rear view mirror. Yeah, and what I think is important to say here as well is it can happen so gradually that you, you might not realise that you no longer yes, fear it. Absolutely. But this is important because, for example, the example you've just used by like lecture seven. Um, I think she does say that she suddenly realised she wasn't fearful anymore. So it's not like she was literally working on it and every day after each lecture thought, how how fearful was I today? Yeah. It was like it happened gradually because she came more and more used to doing it. And it was later on in hindsight that she was like, wow, I'm not fearful anymore. Yeah. And I think that's so important because how many times like have we not realized yeah. but now if you if you think and look back yeah. like we spoke the other day about like the first time you, you sent your first email at work for me yeah i, I can't believe that i found that i was fe that was, I was like, fearful. what if i've done this what if i've done it wrong what if i've spelt it wrong yeah. what if i've sent it to the wrong person or put it in the wrong tone yeah. <laughs> yeah. and i never realized that i was getting less and less fearful every time i did it but now to look back and think I don't fear sending an email at all. Yeah. So I, I've achieved that and I've not realised because it happened so gradually. Yeah. So it's probably important sometimes to just try and have a so think about all the things you've... So that's it. That's exactly what I was just going to say. Is So I wonder where the, where the benefit comes from of actually trying to think about it whilst you're feeling that fear. You know, it's like just 
it might actually be helpful to go, okay, I'm, I'm a bit stressed about this, I'm worried about this, I am fearful, I'm in a state of fear, but oh, I've had this before about multiple other things, let's face it, millions of other things in my life, yeah. and I've always got through. The other, just to finish the, the because um, it's just come back into my head, the she, Susan Jeffers, when she talked about those um, classes, she then said she became relatively famous and was uh, invited to go on TV. Yeah. And she was straight back to square one. <laughs> oh, my God, I'm going to be on TV. Now I'm like... Yeah. And in fact, I haven't told anyone else this. Um, I don't want to jinx it because I've not done it yet, but one of the guests I've had on this show previously, Dr. Emma Kirk, has asked me to come on her radio show. Okay. Terrifies yeah. me. You know, I sit here talking to you, yeah. and it's it's easy. If I want, we can press stop, and mm. if I could work out how to edit, <laughs> then I could edit it or whatever. But I said, I, I replied to her saying, yeah, I'd love to come on. And then I was like, is it live or recorded? She was like, it's a radio show, Chris. <laughs> that's, it's not a podcast. You'll be on the radio. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's great. And I haven't told her this bit, but I'm thinking, oh, my God, yeah. what if I say something stupid? What yeah. if I do... And, and all of it, you know, but for me, when I do the podcast, I go and meet people. We always meet in Colby's. Hi, Ali. Hi, Zoe. Um, <laughs> and um, we and, and I have like the same. Um, actually, you were pretty confident, but most people are quite nervous and are like, oh, this is a bit weird. We're just yeah. going to sit and talk in a room about, you know, but we're recording it. You know, it's a bit. So, they, you know, but anyway, the, my point being that Susan Jeffers herself, um, like, talked about this. She went through the process, realised she'd got to the end of this, conquering that fear of talking in front of this class, mm. but then was straight back to the beginning of a process yeah. when she went on TV. And then within however many episodes or whatever, she's comfortable at being mic'd up and having the makeup put on and whatever. It becomes yeah. the norm. So it's just that realisation. Um, what's what's um, Fear Truth 5? Okay, it's a bit complicated. Are okay. you ready? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pushing through fear is less frightening than living with the bigger underlying fear that comes from a feeling of helplessness. Whew. Right, and this is the one that says, read it read again. It again. <laughs> so it's like... Read it again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Pushing through fear is less frightening than living with the bigger underlying fear that comes from a feeling of helplessness. So it's all about that if if you've got this fear and you're avoiding it mm -hmm. and you think, well, I'm, I'm scared of it so I'm not going to do it, I'm going to avoid it. You're, you think you're building yourself a little protective shell from it, but it's still there and it's lingering. Mm. So that feeling of like helplessness that you're underneath this fear, and, and I can kind of visualise it's like coming towards you and it's you're so like carrying away from I it. I wish we were filming this. Like, <laughs> you're actually doing the action instead of cowering away from it. And yeah. it does make you feel a bit helpless. And, yeah. and you don't... So this fear is there lingering above you. And... You think you're doing the best thing by avoiding it because then you don't have to face that fear of pushing through it, that feeling of pushing through it. Mm. But really, letting it linger above you and becoming probably bigger and bigger the more you avoid it, it's like you start to become feel quite helpless and that's a worse feeling. I've got a really good example of this, I think, um, <laughs> from my own world, which is that thing, I mentioned it previously, about um, being told off. It's the best way I can describe it is being told off or being in trouble. I have a massive fear of being in trouble, of someone saying you've done that wrong yeah i'm really unhappy with you about that it's like i you know we talked about i can handle it previously i really i still to this day feel like i can't handle that mm. if anyone says to me chris you've got that wrong i'm really annoyed or i'm upset or i know you know i could psychoanalyze where that comes from um but 
it's not it's not really the point that's not going to fix it um but that is the feeling of helplessness because it because i can transfer that from person to person so in my working environment from manager to manager mm. from leader to leader from any environment i mean where i've been asked to do something i might send that you know i'll like tentatively go click send the email with the report or whatever i've written or whatever i've done <coughs> and then i'm just like oh i'm waiting for it yeah. to come back please come back and say <coughs> yeah great job thank you if it comes back going what the hell is this so i have that fi- and that's the helplessness yeah, that's definitely. That, that feeling of i can't control what someone's reaction yeah. is going to be i can do my best on the piece of work or whatever and it's not just a work thing but i can do my best in whatever circumstance but you can't control someone else's reaction or s- what someone else thinks of you in a working environment it's like quite can be quite hierarchical so you can't really choose to opt out of it and think don't really care what they say because you're kind of expected to do yeah. a certain thing but in your outside of life uh, your outside world from work um someone's once said a something that really has stuck with me as a way of countering that which is um what you think of me is nothing to do with me Mm. (laughs) like yeah doesn't matter you know it's like um but yeah anyway what do you yeah and and like you've just said you can't control um what's going to happen when you send that piece of work off and whatever happened whatever the outcome is of it or whatever somebody thinks of it you can't control that anyway the outcome's going to be the same but by you like you described feeling helpless by you feeling like that because you're worrying about it you're just making yourself feel worse yeah. it's like it's gone it's out of your hands you've you've done it and now you're gonna have to deal with whatever comes back but you can but yeah but so, there's no point in adding to that feeling no. by feeling helpless and letting it sort of control you yeah I, I, so I think that it is quite complex it is quite complex that one um, but it is that that whole kind of okay there's the potential that something bad might happen well i heard someone say this once there's a potential something bad might happen why worry about it as well yeah that's doubling up on the that's doubling up on the bad stuff and it's like (laughs) it's so you know i will state this because there may be some people out there who you may have switched off by now but like who are thinking this doesn't apply to me this is too hard this is you know but i just want to i do want to recognize again i know i mentioned it earlier but this is really hard stuff yeah. when we get to this point because you're dealing with your own demons mm. if you like and and it's like how do i face that so you know my my um recommendation to people would be you know start small look what whatever you think is a, a, a minor challenge that you have and this is about the comfort zone and widening that just do something small but but then have a think about it reflect on it and then grow the fears if you like grow the challenges yeah so talk about how i interpret fear five yeah go on please See if it's um because you did a good example and i feel like the similarities in what i'll say <coughs> sorry so so i'm going to say the fear again so it's refreshed and then i can describe how i interpret it so pushing through fear is less frightening than living with the bigger fear on the bigger underlying fear that comes from a feeling of helplessness so for me um a couple of years ago something happened where my partner got um, beaten up then it's, it's quite um, quite injured and it was not a very nice time for us mm. and that was from being on a night out so since that whenever my partner went on a night out I came up with these like rituals almost that I had to do where, where I'd sit on my sofa only have something nice on TV something soft yeah, yeah. <laughs> and have my phone next to me with the screen up so I was ready 
for whatever this thing is that I thought, whether that was going to be something bad happening again, yeah. so someone calling me about it, or whether it was a text to say that it's all right, or anything, what, I don't even know what I was waiting for, but that's how I, that's how I was every time I went out. Um, and it got to the point where I did that so many times that I didn't want to do anything different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because you almost don't want to like jinx anything yeah, happening. You yeah. like, but and I, I was doing it because I thought that's how I was safe. Yeah. So I set up this like little bubble for myself where I thought I was safe. But the feeling of helplessness there got way too much. And this is why I really understand this truth from this example that I'm giving, because I felt so helpless and kind of like a bit vulnerable because. Mm. What am I? What am I doing? Like this isn't actually going to change the outcome of anything that's going to happen that night. Yeah. The outcome is going to be exactly the same. Yeah. But instead, I'm causing myself to feel really helpless and fearful by sitting in this little bubble. <clears throat> so when that feeling of helplessness got too much, and I thought I need to stop doing this, yes. my risks were very small. They were just like putting my phone down for ten minutes and not checking the screen, or putting something a bit darker on TV that I enjoy a crime yeah. uh, documentary because it doesn't matter. Put some Black Mirror on. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, not Black Mirror. <laughs> but, or just going out because someone asked me to go out. I don't need to stay in that in the flat. So those were my little risks that made me feel more powerful and more in control of the situation and yeah. stop letting the fear control me. And again, like I said, the outcome of the night is always going to be the same. But as a result, I've allowed mm. myself to feel better. Yeah, and that's really all you can do. Thank you for sharing it because, you know, it's personal, a personal thing. But it's a really good example. And I'm sure that it's, it's something people all relate to and be able to kind of see that things that perhaps they do as well. And, you know, the, the whole point of this and the whole purpose of using these examples and saying this to people is for them to realise or to qu- just to question it. If you're feeling uncomfortable if you're feeling anxious about you know think about what is what is it you're feeling anxious about what's the and then think about okay what's the underlying thing behind that why am i why am i feeling you know not this specific but what's the reason behind it and then question well can i handle this actually well yeah i've handled similar things before um so you know you use really good examples there um, we're coming towards the end. We've only got a minute or so left. Is there anything from the book that you, that like a, a takeaway message that, that you really wanted to give? Yeah, I think um, as we've said before, you are going to interpret it like kind of however you will. There's no right or wrong way to read the book. Mm. I think with books like this, a lot of the time it's just they're important in setting you off on your own um, train of thought and your own like pathways. Yeah. So even if you only take one bit from it that causes you to feel even a little bit better. Like, that's all that you're really getting from it. It's not yeah. a Bible. Like, yeah, yeah, completely. Um, but, and then mm. go back to the bits that you that feel good. Like, not all of it is going to sit right with everyone. There were bits I read where I thought, mm, I'm not sure if that he- that helps me, and that's fine. Yeah. So just read the bits that feel good and go back to bits as well at different points in your life because I'm sure other different bits will become relevant with whatever you're going through at that time so I think it's a good book not to just sit and read in one and then put on your shelf but to just go back to and try different exercises because it's quite practical yeah um but yeah definitely just even if it makes you one little line makes you feel a bit better then that's good yeah and so I just think that's important brilliant well thank you for that I mean the other the other thing is just to let people know um there is a special abridged quick reads edition of this which costs a pound Mm -hmm. um you can get it on Amazon for a quid so um, other outlets are available, I'm sure. But um, I agree. I completely agree with you there. I think that the, the when I've read this book and then I've talked about it time and time and time again, 
in, in, you know, in, big, in large groups of people yeah. and then realised, I haven't read this for a couple of years, yeah. what, and I'm still referring to this book, but actually I can't remember what it says. And then I've revisited it and gone, oh, yeah. Mm. You know, so actually, you're right. It's something you can pull out. I mean, the copy I've got has got notes all over it, and mm. I know I've seen your version that's got little kind of post-its in it, paper clips, and, you know, <laughs> to, like, refer back to different things. I know that was in prep for a presentation, but also... That's something you'll go back to. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I hope you guys out there have found that really useful. And um, a very heartfelt thank you, Helen, for coming in and, and talking okay. to us about that. Um, again, I really appreciate you guys out there for listening to us. Um, please go onto iTunes uh, and other podcast places and subscribe and rate us and, re and review us. And on Twitter, you can follow me at mentalcoms, M-E-N-T-A-L-C-O-N-V-S. Uh, another episode of uh, Mental Conversations will be winging its way to you soon. Thanks, Helen.